girl. Welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast is all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I'm so excited that you're here for today's episode because we have on the show Hannah Nieves, and she is a girlfriend of mine who is just a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas. She's a tech founder. She's a speaker, a podcast host. She's a new mom. She's helped over 500 clients. She's done amazing things in the real estate space, but you're really just going to love this conversation because it truly does feel like two girlfriends chatting, and we talk a lot about a whole lot of different topics, in particular, money mindset. And then because I know so many of you that listen into this show are multi-passionate like I am, we talk about the layering of those passions. Like how do you figure out what you want to do first and where to go next? Also, how to cultivate communities. You've got the right people around you. And then we have a very transparent conversation about the challenges and the opportunities of balancing business and motherhood. And honestly, I just hope from this conversation that you like get that fire in you to really step into your potential and understand that you are so freaking capable and worthy of making any dream that you have on your heart possible. Like, I really just hope that you feel the expansiveness from this conversation because we're super open and raw about numbers and dreams and big visions. So I think you're going to love it. So without further ado, let's dive right into the show. Hannah, girl, I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's like we are going to have such a juicy conversation about so many topics mm-hmm. that you and I love talking about together. And, you know, I think it's really important because when I asked the Empower Her community, I was like, what is like bugging you right now? Or what do you feel like are some roadblocks that you're running into? A lot of the conversation is around money mindset and mm. around even this, like, I don't know how to exactly like describe this, but essentially like not thinking big enough, like not having this abundant mindset. And you and I like can jam so freaking hard on this topic. And then also just full transparency too, we're both new moms. So we're trying to juggle Mm -hmm. how to do this. And I think (laughs) what's really important for people to understand is like when you're chasing your goals, sometimes the season change requires you to change your pace, but also not creating a meaning that just because your pace has to change, like for example, in new mom life or for someone that's navigating something in their personal life. It's like, that doesn't mean that you're not capable of achieving those goals, but like keeping Mm. your eyes focused on like this big vision, but knowing that sometimes the circumstances change. So I'm so excited. This is going to be so juicy. So everybody (laughs) buckle up. Um, But first, Hannah, can you just like give a high level overview of like who you are and what you do for people that aren't familiar with you yet? Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me on here. My name is Hannah. I'm from New York. Um, and it's so funny when people ask me this question because I'm sure you understand being a multi-passionate person. We just do so many things. Yeah. Um, but by trade, I specialize in marketing, branding, and PR. And that's where I started my corporate career. Went to college for that, started my business with that. And then it basically morphed into this community and network for other you know, female entrepreneurs where they we help them grow and scale their businesses through those you know, um, strategies of marketing, branding, and PR. 
PR. But in addition to that, I also have a love for real estate, which I know you do too. So I have a brick and mortar studio. Um, so think like Airbnb for creative space called this Hudson studio. And I have a 160 acre farm called this Hudson farm, which is another um, commercial real estate project too. So we're just doing all the things. Yes. Okay. So when someone hears that, like, so we're going to dive into money mindset and all of that, but when someone hears all of these things that you're doing right now, and maybe they can connect with being multi-passionate, right? Where they're like, oh, I want to do, Hannah, I want to do this. Keish, I want to do this. And I want to do 800 things at the same time. Can you explain like the layering of this? Because sometimes I have women that are coming to me that want to be kind of like the cheesecake factory menu where they're doing like 800 things at one time, but they can't really do anything that well because it feels so scattered, Mm -hmm. right? So like, how did you build that? So I think that that's the biggest thing, right? Because a lot of people want the end result from the beginning and they come to me saying, okay, like I want this like full offer suite and I want to have this and invest in that. And I will tell you, I started out as a one woman show doing one thing. One thing. And that was my craft. And, you know, I supported people in that way until I got to that point where then we started these group environments, right? And then again, kept growing and growing. And then we made the investment into the studio and then the farm. But that was a four-year process, right? right? It didn't happen overnight. And it took a lot of, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this too, but like calculated risk. It's almost like the slingshot, you know, because we didn't start out buying a 160 acre farm from day one you know? Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like your mind, like how did your mindset evolve to even believe that it was possible? Cause like if you picture someone listening into this, that is maybe working a full-time corporate job or they're just starting in their business and they have a big vision, but it feels like the distance between where they are now and where they want to go is so massive. Like maybe they even could come up with a dream, like 160 acre farm, like that would be incredible. Or some of the things that you're doing now, or even mm-hmm. looking at what Cena and I are doing now, but like, How did you even like let your mind drift off to believe that that was possible or dream big enough to unlock what it is that you actually wanted, you know? Oh, this is such a good topic because I feel like this is coming up for so many entrepreneurs and so many founders right now. There's always this, this like recalibration too. Um, but for me personally, you know, and, and not to go too deep into my story, but you know, yeah. I had a pretty rough upbringing. You know, I was adopted by my stepfather when I was 18. So, you know, I had all the statistics working against me in my upbringing. And yeah. for me, really, like the only thing that I was able to control was, you know, my education, my career, and the thing that I was doing, you know, in, in my life in that way. But I will say the biggest thing is surround yourself with people who are thinking bigger. You know, I remember even in college, I don't know if this resonates with you, but I would read all of, you know, the books and the stories about all these successful entrepreneurs. And I would just read and read because I wanted to understand, like, how did they think? How did they think yeah. to actually have that vision to think bigger for themselves? So I started reading. That was number one. That's the lowest barrier to entry. Anyone can go pick up a book. Um, and then from there... I started investing in courses and group coaching programs and just started like surrounding myself with other people who were thinking bigger. Because what I realized was that a lot of people, and I'm sure probably some people listening to this might resonate, a lot of people from, you know, where you grow up, the people you surround yourself, maybe in school or in your, you know, nine to five career might not be thinking the same way you do. And that's how I felt. I felt everyone was very limited in their mindset. So you know, as your business grows and as you grow, you know, your, who you look up to also changes. Like for me now, mm-hmm. I look at billionaires and eight and nine figure, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, and I'm studying how they think because that's the next yeah. level. 
it's so important too, like when you're thinking about that, like those people that can be so expansive for you, but also even looking holistically at their life. And I don't know if this has been an adjustment for you at all, but for me, I've noticed, I also am looking at people that in this new era of being a new mom, I'm looking at people that have families too. Cause I'm like, okay, how someone does this that doesn't have kids is I can still learn so much from somebody that doesn't have kids that's done this. Don't get me wrong. But I'm also like, who, who out there is navigating this like new parent (laughs) season too, because it is so freaking different and your priorities Mm -hmm. shift, your desires shift, but like you and I, and to the woman listening into this, that can connect with this, like having this fire to do both and kick ass at both is so real, but like, it can feel kind of conflicting sometimes. Like, where do I put my attention? Oh and my like, goodness. You know, what does that look like? And I want to dive into that for sure. But like, you know, have you noticed that you're kind of taking inventory of even like the lens that you watch people through? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I was actually going to ask you that too, from your perspective, like how has that shifted for you since you became a mom? Because I know for me, and we were just talking about this before, but you know, your time capacity has also shifted, right? Like the way that you allocate your time. And I, I know at least for me, you know, the priorities have really shifted and not to say material things are not a value, you know, but really it's getting time back. It's the freedom of time and being able to spend that with, you know, your family, but then also, you know, make the money that you desire and build the business that you desire as well. So I definitely can resonate with that too. And also aligning and following other founders who do have families as well, because that, I mean, it's a whole different ball game. It really is. And it's and like, you know, what was weird for me too, (laughs) Hannah is like, it's almost like when I like knew that we were going to have a baby. I thought what I was going to do is I was going to go back to working the same way that I did before having a baby, but just with a baby. Like I was like, oh, I'm just going to bring him with me everywhere and he's just going (laughs) to sleep and I'm just going to approach the same thing. But it's like you have this like toggle between like your heart is like pulled in two different directions where like I know that both of these stand true to me that like I really want to be a present mom, but I also really want to build an impactful business. But it's like which one like takes the lead. And I think it's just always going to be a constant toggle for forever. But I think it is to your point, like it has been so helpful just to like even use other people's examples, whether that is through like reading biographies or listening to podcasts or surrounding yourself with community, just to find people that are proof of like, okay, if she can do it, then I'm just going to see that as proof that it's possible. Great. I can do it too. And then even having friends like you and for anyone Mm -hmm. listening to this, if you don't have those community of people that are in the same stage of life as you with big aspirational, like goals of what they want to accomplish, like that matters so much because you don't want to feel like you're the lone wolf. Like you don't want to feel like Mm -hmm. you're the weird one, which I often did like in college, definitely in high school, but in college and even after college, when I was in the corporate world, I was like, something is wrong for me. But so many of my girlfriends and even Cena back then, my now husband, it's like, you know, he would be like, well, this is just what we do. Like you, you know, you work Monday through Friday and like you hang out and party on the weekends and then you go back to work Mm -hmm. and like you climb the corporate ladder. And I was like, uh, that is aligned for some people. I truly believe that. But for me, hell no. Like, like, so you have to be around people that are like, yeah, I feel the same way. You're not weird. Like you're with us. I get it. You know, did you feel, I'm just curious. Um, cause I know at least this came up for me. Did you feel any guilt or shame around after you had the baby and trying to navigate, you know, getting back into your business and like what that actually looked like while you're also raising this human? 
100%. The first time, so I did a keynote at an event here in Denver four weeks after Brody was born, and I was super excited about it. And to be fully transparent, behind closed doors, I was saying to Cena the first six weeks that he was born, I was like, I've got this. Like, yes, I'm sleep deprived, but like, I can do this. No big deal. And I felt super, super pumped. And then around eight weeks was when I think the accumulation mm-hmm. of sleep deprivation started hitting me. And then I started Mm -hmm. to think like, how am I going to do this? And I was really nervous because I'm like, I am not someone who's called to be a full-time like stay-at-home mom. That's just not in my DNA. Um, And I want to create and I want to do stuff, but I know that I wanted to do both. But you know what was really unexpected, Hannah, is I actually felt guilty, not for wanting, like not to this toggle of like, which one do I spend more time with? But I felt guilty that I had the opportunity to be home with him and that I didn't want to do that full time because I recognize like what privilege both you and I have from building the businesses Mm -hmm. that we have and having the financial means that we have and the space that we created and our, you know, the flexibility in our schedule that I almost felt guilty that I didn't feel like I was like taking full advantage of the time that I had that I could be present with him 24-7, but I don't want to be present with him 24-7. And that doesn't make me a bad mom. That just makes me I feel that. an aligned person, you know, that I like have other things that I care about and I'm doing what feels right for me. But I actually did feel guilty about that, which was really unexpected. You know? I feel that so deeply too, because even my husband, when I was talking about like going back into, you know, the business and, you know, we had this very like methodical planned out mat leave prep and my team has got it. And they were yelling at me. I remember like a week after birth saying like, why are you on Slack? Like talking to us, like go yeah. spend time with your baby, which, you know, I know you and I definitely can resonate with, but I also felt this guilt of like, I, I was excited to come back and excited to just like see what was happening. And, you know, my husband pushing back on me and saying, you know, you are the founder. Remember that like, you're not going back in that mentality of like, you have to work every single day, all these hours. And I think that was like a really big shift for me. And I'm sure for a lot of moms that are listening in, you know, the way that you were doing business before is going to look completely different Mm -hmm. after you have a baby. And that's the biggest realization that I took from having, you know, my daughter, which was, I I just can't operate in the same speed and capacity. And not to say that we can't move things along and, and have those big goals and visions, but we have to work way smarter to get that done. Well, and it's so cool in a way, because to be honest, I have built this business and like, you know, this about me, like for my personality, you have a much more like structured, methodical business and team. And like you use Slack and you're very organized. Mm -hmm. I am such a scrappy. And I think it's important to point out our contrasting differences because I am so scrappy, throw spaghetti against against the wall. I've been in this space for like nine years. I've done so many different things. I cancel things abruptly. Like I've been all over the place and it's worked for me up until this point. It no longer Mm -hmm. works for me now. Like I can't even approach not just the pace, but I can't even do things the way that I did them before because I I don't want to just throw things out there and try it out. I don't want to just listen to my community and create whatever they are telling me to create, which I've done a lot of over the years because now I have to say, Mm -hmm. okay, if I'm taking time away from Brody, it has to be something not only that is so fulfilling and impactful for me too, outside of just my community, but also that I'm really fulfilled by it so that I can put my full effort into it. And the ROI also has to be there because now I'm also saying like, if I'm saying yes to business, I'm saying no to Brody, right? And, I, and I'm going to do that because I want to be this full person that feels like I'm embodying all of the things that I care about. But mm-hmm. the, the cost feels higher now. So to be honest, it's actually been really beneficial because 
you know, I said to you, like, I canceled this mastermind. I, oh my gosh, I launched this Mm -hmm. mastermind. I had a bunch of women sign up for it and I had to refund a substantial amount of money. This was like, you know, a six figure launch easy. And I was so excited about the women that were joining it, but I had to ask myself, I was like, wait a second, this is too soon for you to go full back into business. You need to stop and like recalibrate and just make sure what you're doing is actually aligned for the season. And you need Mm. to give yourself more space to do it. And, you know, I was, I I don't, I don't even think I would use the word embarrassed. Like I wasn't embarrassed that I canceled it. I more like felt bad because the women that had enrolled were really excited. And obviously that's a big financial loss to not bring that revenue in. But I was like, I'm not going to get this time back, not just when Brody's a newborn, but when I'm in the season where I'm creating the space to figure out like what is a calculated next step for me that's not mm-hmm. so scrappy because scrappy is not going to work anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I resonate with that so much. And I'll share an example too with, you know, our latest project, which we've been building a platform, a proprietary platform, which if anyone's listening in and wants to go into the tech arena, it is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Um, but I remember this was at the last quarter. I was probably 33 to 35-ish weeks pregnant. And I remember my team coming to me and telling me, we need to push this event off. And it was an event that was going to be like the the launch of this new thing that we were working on for a long time. And I remember I, I cried so hard because I was so upset with how much work we were putting in. And yeah. even my husband told me like, you were going, you know, a hundred miles an hour, like you need to slow down. Yeah. And I really resonated with that. And I want to reflect back, but you actually said it, which was, you know, it takes a lot to actually like step back for a second and actually ask yourself the question of, is this an alignment for me? I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've worked with and I've fallen, you know, into this as well, where we almost go into like a reactive phase, you know, when it's like almost it keeps us safe and protected because we know, you know, that you can create and be yeah. scrappy and, you know, create something really great. But actually, is that going to fuel you to get you closer to the long term vision? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question on how has shifting into motherhood shifted the way that you create in your business? Because you also had programs and courses yeah. and you have real estate. Like, how has that changed for you? So it's in real time, a figuring out as I go type of situation. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that I'm realizing is I'm definitely going to need more support. Just like podcasting in general and things that I'm creating where like it's going to require like when I'm speaking at events or doing things that require me physically to be there, it's just we're going to need more support. Obviously, as you know, my husband is a full-time entrepreneur too. So we have this luxury of us both having time freedom. But one person needs to be with Brody at all given points of time. Obviously, like he, he's only like almost eleven weeks old. I can't just like leave him broke. So it's making me also realize like what type of support do we need so that we can when we're together as a family or when I'm present with him, I can feel like I'm present where my feet are. So it's the questions that are coming up are like not just what am I creating and how am I doing it, but like what type of support is the right support? Like what can I outsource in my life that does not need to be done by me? Do I need to be the person that is cleaning my house or am I do, doing the meal prep or making food or what What does it look like? It's like, what can we take off our plate? And then also what do I need to have for myself? Like I need to work out. I need to have unplugged family time. Like one of the boundaries mm-hmm. that we put in place is my husband and I, like we do our workouts and we take a family walk and we don't do any yep. calls or meetings before 10 a.m. And that I understand is a luxury, but for anyone that is building a business right now that is working on getting to that point, like 
have things like that in your mind. Like I envisioned this long before we had Brody that one day in the future, we would get to create this schedule and like we would get to do workouts and then we would, you know, go get a coffee and get to have that quality time together. So like I know for me and for the type of marriage that I want to have and the like the family unit that I want to create, like that is such an important container and it will evolve as, you know, Brody goes to different stages and needs more or less of us in different times of his life. But really like it's the support question. And I wish that more women would talk about this unapologetically of like, it takes a lot to raise a tiny little human, right? And all of us, even as entrepreneurs, it's like, we have to ask ourselves the questions of like, what really doesn't need to be done by us? And even when you're in a stage where financially, some of these things don't make sense, it's like, if you can get that tab closed in your brain, so you can just be a little bit more focused, especially for those of you like me, like with the ADHD brains, like you got to close some freaking tabs. Mm -hmm. And um, so those are the questions that I'm asking now is like, how do I actually do this? And then knowing that I can have a really awesome game plan, but the game plan will definitely change. And I don't know how I love that, but like I'm flexible that it will change. You know, I resonate with that so much. And I just applaud you for also just sharing that openly too, because I know at least for me too, and, and me also growing up, you know, in a Latin household too, yeah. moms do it all. Like it is yeah. just cultural. Like, you, you know, you clean, you cook, you do laundry, you raise your babies. Like that is it. So, you know, when conversations come up around having a housekeeper or having a nanny or things like that, it sometimes can be this, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're actually going to hire one to take over those things. Yeah. And, um, I definitely just want to share for anyone listening. And I know I had a, in the beginning had a lot of shame around, okay, I know I'm either a, I have a few choices, either not a few, two. I have daycare as an option, which is totally fine if that's your thing, or um, nanny, mother's helper, whatever, because we don't have any family here. So we have to actually have help. So we have a nanny coming in. And I just even want to openly talk about this because I think for a lot of people, right, we look at social media and we think, you know, this is the way that people are growing their businesses and doing X, Y, Z, but there's so much help on the back end. And even if you don't have the financial means to invest in like a nanny or a private chef or, you know, a housekeeper, whatever it is, I just went into ClickUp and I know this is where my brain comes in with having things organized. And I outlined, okay, like what is my grocery list that I'm going to need to like order on Instacart? You know, what's my Amazon list I need to order because I know my time is so valuable. So for me, I'd rather not spend it going to, you know, BJ's or Costco, having to go and get all these things. I'd rather order it online. So like you can make small tweaks too to your actual schedule. And that's for me too, is getting everything out of my personal office, which is AKA my brain and getting it out onto paper or in whatever, a click up and just being okay with the fact that like you are going to need help. And it's just, it's not realistic anymore for women, especially if you're the breadwinner, you're a mom, you're running a business, you're running a team for you to do everything. It's just not realistic. Yeah. You know? And it's so funny because we were visiting my grandparents uh, a few weeks back and my grandpa, you know, obviously he's, you know, he's in his late 80s and he was like, you know, Cash, it's so cool to see how you and Cena really tag team with Brody. And it's like, he meant it with like the sweetest regard, obviously, like he's an older guy, but like that was not like generations before us, like dads weren't showing up the way that dads want to show up now, right? Like Cena takes a huge load off of this for me, but that being said, like we have to keep in mind, like if you are also working a job, like you're going to need support with the kids too. So it's like, what makes sense mm-hmm. for you? So, okay. I wanted to get into the money mindset stuff. Cause like, mm-hmm. I know we can have a juicy conversation about this. So 
Tell me like with your, so you and I both have obviously large like female communities. What do you feel like is one of the biggest blocks that comes up for women in wanting to make more money, whether it's like obviously a lot of them being entrepreneurs, but even like corporate wise, like not wanting to advocate for themselves. Like where do you think this actually comes from? Oh, there's so many things. And what I find, especially when it comes to money mindset specifically, a lot of this is from society. A lot of this is from the way that we have grown up and the beliefs that our parents have had about money usually trickle down into you and the way that you spend money, keep money, you know, save money and whatnot. And I know that was true for me too, but at least for me, what I've seen, and this is across entrepreneurs or, you know, people in corporate nine to fives too, is this belief of, well, why am I so special? Why can I have that? You know, and it really ties back to, you know, the self-worth and the self-trust that you can actually, you know, acquire, attain and grow that type of money. Because I know at least for me, I grew up with this mentality that, you know, money was greedy. And if you had too yeah. much, you know, you weren't using it in the right way. And I had to rewrite the the narratives around that. I'm curious for you, like, what do you see? Yeah. I think like there's one of like the worthiness, like who am I? Like you mentioned, I think Mm -hmm. that's a really common one. But also I think it's like the belief that we're telling ourselves the story that somebody else has something that we don't and that we can't get there for whatever reason. So it comes from this worthiness, but it's also really just this like logical mindset of like, okay, well, she's created XYZ and you're looking at somebody else's chapter 15 with your chapter one and you're deciding that because you have no idea how you're going to get to 15 it's not possible for you. Forgetting that everybody starts not knowing what they're doing. Everybody has a season. You and I could both Mm -hmm. list off stories of like when we really did not know. Like I remember when we, in 2014, when my husband, Sina and I lived in New York and we lived in this tiny 600 square foot apartment with one window facing an alleyway. And we had, (laughs) it was a four floor walk up. He was in dental school. So he wasn't making any income. I was working at Google, but on the side, I was building my first business, which was a network marketing back then. And I remember it wasn't taking off yet. It wasn't like for anyone that comes in at chapter, whatever chapter this would be now. Um, And now that we're able to like buy real estate and do all this stuff. But back then I remember being like, oh, we are really, really, really tight on money. Like, I hope that this works. Like I'm going to keep like hustling, but I Mm -hmm. don't really know how I'm going to support us. Like living in New York city too was so freaking expensive downtown on one income. And it's like, obviously I understand the privilege to even like have the role that I had and have this business that I was building on the side. But it's like, I didn't tell myself the story that somebody else had something that I don't. I was like, I believe that if somebody else has done it, it's proof that it's possible for me too. I just have to let myself take that space between where I am now and where I want to go and treat that as my qualification period. Like that's where I'm learning the skills and I'm building up like everything that I need to get there. But I remember like a specific block that I got to from an income perspective, it was $250,000 a year where that was more than I could even fathom. That was more than both of my parents made together. Like, I mean, that was so much money in my mind mm-hmm. that I then was like, wait a second, what is the block? What is this like upper limit as Gay Hendricks calls it, right? That I was like, I don't believe that I can I can make more money than this because I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that that's like the type of person that I am because I believe I'm like a good person. So I shouldn't be making more money than that. And I was like, hold up, 
hold up, what did I even just say? Like mm-hmm. when I started like getting it out, I was like, that's an, a belief that I don't believe is true. I got that belief from somebody else. And I do not believe that making more money makes you a good or bad person. I think it just amplifies who you already are at your core. If you make more money, you can do more good in the world. Like I believe that to be true for what I believe, yeah. but I had to almost like pull back layers when I did reach that block that I didn't think that I had money mindset issues because I was like, oh, this person's done it. I can do it too. Let me go after it. And then it was like, boom, that $250,000 a year mark was when I was like, I don't think that I should do any more than this. I should play smaller because I want to be a quote unquote good person. This programming, Mm -hmm. the subconscious programming that was like, if you're, if you make a lot of money, you're greedy or you like hurt people in order to get there. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Have you had like any of those moments where you say something so and you're many. like, where the hell did that come from? I don't even believe that. Yeah. I hope you're loving today's episode. I wanted to pop in here real quick and thank our sponsor of today's podcast, my favorite non-toxic, anti-aging, anti-acne, no hormone disruptors skincare line that actually freaking works. I've literally been using ClearStem for over five years. One of my best friends is actually the co-founder. And you know, like if one of your best friends does something, like you want to be super supportive, but you're like kind of nervous. Like what if I don't actually like it? (laughs) So five and a half years ago, I tried the skincare line and I was like, holy crap, I'm obsessed. So now both my husband and I have literally been using the skincare line for over five and a half years. And why I love it is because it's non-toxic right? And there's so much crap in our skincare and in our products. And I wanted something that I really loved that worked really well. And I have just been such a diehard ClearStem fan for so long that I decided to bring them on as a sponsor of this podcast. So what's really cool is you can head to clearstemskincare.com and use code Keisha, or you can check the link in the show notes. um, And it's going to get you a sweet discount on all products, but they're really big on education as well. And figuring out like what's the root cause of any of your your skin issues, but also even if you don't have major skin issues, which I actually personally don't, it's been really helpful to just keep my skin feeling really good. I love their face wash and their scrub. I love their bounce back um, serum. They also have a bunch of other serums depending upon what your skin issues are. And the thing that I also am obsessed with, if you're looking for a new moisturizer, their Hydra Berry Moisturizer. You put it on at night and sleep in it and your skin will wake up feeling like a baby's butt. And right now in this current era of new mom life, I love putting it on. And although I'm only sleeping in like two hour chunks, it's so nice because I'm like, oh, my skin at least feels really fresh and good and super moisturized. So anyways, if you head to clearstemskincare.com, make sure you use code Keisha. That'll get you a sweet discount on all products. If you have any questions, of course, DM me, shoot me a text. I love talking about these products and hearing how so many of you are obsessed with them now too. So check them out. And without further ado, let's dive back into the show. So, I mean, I'm, as you were talking to, I was even thinking about in the beginning as well. And similar to you, I remember when I was working my corporate job and and I was starting the business out and I, I didn't make any money for the first few months. And I remember I was like, okay, let me just make a thousand dollars a month. Let me just yeah, make three thousand yeah. dollars a month. And it was one of those things where I went into business thinking, I just need strategy. I don't need any mindset work when actually it was the opposite. Yep. I needed a lot of the mindset work, which we all do. And it's one of those things, you know, we talk about like future visualization. 
one of the most powerful tools out there. And if anyone wants to like nerd out on this, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is such a great resource for this too. You know, your mind really doesn't understand the difference between like where you are now and where you are in the future. So when you hear people say like, step into your seven figure self, it's not this, this cheesy thing that they're saying. It really is like, you need to embody the way that you make decisions at that level, whatever level that is for you. Um, And I know at least for me, I vividly remember having like the big calendar where I could see the whole year and I put post-it notes and it was like 20,000, 40,000 a month. And this is like the money that I was going to acquire a month. And I remember at the time I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to make this money a month. I was like, I was delusional, Mm -hmm. delusional with it. I was like, we're just going to figure shit out. And so I remember doing that. And you know, what's really funny is like when you start to actually embody this next level of who you are and the way that you make decisions, the way that you market yourself and the people you surround yourself with, it's interesting to see how it starts to materialize. And then another thing that also started to happen, I'm sure it sounds like this happened to you, is like once you hit this threshold, so for you it's 250K. And I know for me, it was like once I hit a certain amount in my bank account, it was like yes. that was the minimum of what I was going to expect for myself, mm, so you good. know, and it kept growing and growing and growing. Um, and then with that, the money, the money mindset shift started to happen because I also want to preface money mindset is not just something that you go through in the beginning. It happens even at seven figures plus in a business. Oh yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Well, because it's then you have this fear of what if I lose it all, right. Or, so, or some other fear that mm-hmm. pops up. And it's like, we all have that at every single level. It's just like, you can't expect that you're going to go to the gym and you're going to get in like the best shape ever. And then you're just going to stop going to the gym. And then all of a sudden you're going to be totally fine. Like, it's like, no, you have to maintain this. You have to be constantly thinking. And I think a lot of us are scared to even say what it is that's holding us back or even take the time of our busy doing so many things Mm -hmm. at one time life to stop and slow down and say like, wait a second, what is the belief that I have? And where did that belief actually come from? And how can I also disprove that belief? Like, can I find another example of someone who is embodying making a lot of money that's doing so much good in the world? If I believe that people that make a lot of money don't do good in the world, find someone that's living, breathing proof of it. And then also to your point, Hannah, that you touched on that I feel like you and I both believe this to be so true that like you have to be around people that are a couple steps ahead of you because then you see that they're also just Mm -hmm. normal people, right? Like even the mastermind that you and I met in, that was the first time I had ever invested in my business, right? And like for just transparency, Mm -hmm. Hannah and I met in a mastermind. You had to make $500,000 a year to be in this mastermind. I just like threw spaghetti against the wall, got my business to that point. And then I came in and I was like, hello, I'm here. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have an email list. I don't have a team. And I am just like a shit show right now. Um, But I knew I had to, I knew the number one thing. I was never someone who thought that I needed strategy to get there. I was like, I can just like get myself mm-hmm. there. And then I just need connections. I need people because I am at my capacity of what I believe is possible. And I need to be around people that are like, oh, that's a great idea, but you could go here. Right. So it's like yeah. for anyone listening into this, like, please remind yourself, like, this is one step, like listening into this podcast of people that like understand you. Cause like we probably have something in common if people are listening into this podcast. Right. And like Mm -hmm. just reminding yourself, like you've got to be around people that are a couple steps ahead of you in the area that you want to improve in, in your own life, because you have to see that they're so freaking normal. 
right? Like we are mm-hmm. all such normal people that just like made a decision of like, I'm going to go after this. And now I have to be around other people that are at a more elevated level where I'm like, they don't have anything that I don't, I can go do that too. Right. <laughs> I feel that so deeply too. And even for me, when I went to Necker Island, this was, I, yeah. I think, wow, Tell two years ago at this, this point. Woo! Necker Island was life-changing. And if you want to listen to a podcast episode on my Asian yeah. House podcast, um, I recorded my feedback from that. But, you know, being but around explain, Richard For Branson, people that don't know who that is or know who he is, like give context real quick. <laughs> yeah. So Necker Island um, is an island owned by Richard Branson, which if you don't know, is a billionaire, has created the Virgin Brands. Uh, I mean, went to space. I mean, there's just so much there. Like Virgin but, you Airline. Know, like he's created the airline yeah. company. Like he's went to outer space. <laughs> if you don't know who Outer he is, space. Yeah. You know what's so fascinating? If anyone wants to read a, uh, a good book, check out um, his biographies. But He's dyslexic. He, uh, I think, dropped either out of high school or call. I think it was out of high school. Um, high school dropout. He has over a hundred companies under the Virgin brand, and this yeah. is someone who started with nothing. Like it is yeah. so fascinating. And what? So I got invited to go to this leadership summit there. Which, by the way, when I first got that email, I was like, "Who am I to go to this leadership yeah. summit on Decker Island? I, who? Why me?" Yeah. And so I go there and just wait. Even hold on, see- Hannah, real quick. When that happened, I just want to know like how you processed that because sometimes when we get an opportunity, we almost like pretend like we don't want it because we're scared to step into it. Right. So like when you get an email from like Richard Branson's team to go to Necker Island, like, I mean, this is a huge deal for people that don't understand that. Like, this is a big, big deal. And you're like, why me? What's the next thought? And how did you combat that before you actually got yourself on a plane to go there? So the funny thing is, I remember vividly, it was the email subject line of my phone said Necker Island. And I immediately opened it up. I had no idea what it was. And it was like a um, mutual contact, which actually was from a podcast episode. That's how I made the connection with that person. We just stayed, you know, in contact together. And it was Necker Island question mark. And I had no idea what it was, like how much this thing was even going to cost. You know, if I had to pay, it could have been a hundred thousand dollars for all I know. And I said to, I responded back in in 0.2 seconds. I said, I don't know what this is or how much this is. But I'm in. And I was prepared to sell my <laughs> car if I needed to. I was like, I don't even care. I am in. And it was so, I mean, I mean, life-changing from so many different levels. But even just being around a billionaire and just like seeing how he, you know, he thinks and how he talks and the way he moves. And I actually found the most feedback for me. Um, was actually just like listening to like what yeah. he was saying during that time. And he's one of the most like humble entrepreneurs I've ever met in my entire life. But yeah. it was just so fascinating to see what he's built. And you know, like the, the crazy thing is I remember coming back and this was like kind of like the start of my latest project, which is the app that we've been building and the community around that. And I remember telling myself, well, you know, if Richard Branson go, can create these hundred companies under his belt and has no idea what he was doing when he first started. Like, why can't I? And yeah. so now I have this belief and it was funny because my husband tells me, he's like, wow, like you're comparing yourself to a billionaire. Like that is so powerful. Yeah. And I look at it as like, well, if he could do it, like, why can't I do it? Why yep. if Kendra Scott can do it, Barbara Corcoran, you know, Sarah Blakely, like why yeah. can't I be that next person? Mm-hmm. So, well, and the, and the thing that I think is really important that you touched on, because I do think this is a 
common belief for people is this idea of who someone who makes a lot of money is, that they're number one, more like capable or smarter, but also the negative connotation with people that make a lot of money. And what you just mentioned Mm -hmm. is how humble and kind and like gracious he was, right? And I had the same experience with Jamie Kern Lima, who for those that don't know, she Mm -hmm. sold her company, It Cosmetics, to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion, became the first female CEO in L'Oreal history. She spoke at my very first event, with just having been on my podcast, I'd reached out to her to ask if her team wanted to donate 500 books to the attendees that came to the event. And instead, her assistant, Sarah, called and was like, hey, Jamie is like really proud of what you're doing. She wants to be part of your event. She's willing to come out to Amazing. your event and speak for free. She <laughs> flew herself out there on her private jet. <laughs> um, and she was the most humble, gracious, kind person to me, to every single person. And the thing that I like made me like really just so appreciate her. She remembered every single volunteer's name by first name. Wow. And she like thanked all of my girlfriends and my guy friends that were volunteering at the event. She personally like would thank them by their first name. And I was like, I need this example still constantly as I'm building, you know, wanting to make impact in the world and wanting to make a lot of income in the world because I want to give back. I want to support my family. I want to be there to be able to buy my mom what she wants in the future. And like, you know, just like things like that. I care about the world too, but it's like seeing someone who embodies characteristics as a human who also happens to make a lot of income. It connects the dots for you where you're like a really great person who cares about making impact in the world. Like many people that are listening into this episode right now, it's like having more income only gives you more opportunities. Cause like Jamie was able to fly to my event for free to pay for herself, to waive her, her keynote fee that she absolutely Mm -hmm. deserves, but she completely waived her entire keynote fee, six-figure keynote fee, to do that because she could, right? And many of us like have this desire of wanting to make an impact in the world around us. And it's like, you also are going to need money to do that. If you want to take time and volunteer at like local organizations, you want to like, Sina and I have been talking a lot about in the future, wanting to help like young couple, like entrepreneurs, you know, when we have kids that are like in school full time and like what that could look like and being able to invest in companies that we believe in and give money to like, organizations that matter to us, like it does matter. So that's why I do think this money mindset topic is so important because we've got to figure out like what are the blocks that are holding us back for those of us that have the desire to go be unapologetic about chasing big dreams. Like we need you to go do that because we also know that when you get there, you're going to look back at all the people that you can help and say like, come with me. I got you. I got you. I got you and support people. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that so much. And that's actually like the core ethos of the new app and community network that we've been building, which is, you know, part of that is the, um, the charitable give back. Right. And exactly what you were talking about and not to go too deep into that, but like we're cultivating this network of high affluent network founders, because we know that if we can cultivate a network of women at this caliber, we know we can give back to people who are just Mm -hmm. starting out. And I think that is so powerful because I know at least for me, I've noticed that as well. It's like, you know, even for clients that, that I look at, you know, their businesses and what they're building, I'm like, you know, you're playing too small. You know, yeah. you have this potential. And I think that's what's so powerful about having a network, a coach, uh, being in a mastermind. Like you have people who can see where your blind spots are and can push you out of your comfort zone. Because a lot of the times we stay in the same spot because we're comfortable and it's yes. what keeps us safe, right? But we know that if we can get to this point, and I know for me, my long-term goal, though I love marketing, branding, and PR, my long-term goals, I want to be a philanthropist. I want to be able to spend my time and give back to other people. But I know for me to be a philanthropist, 
I need to make a lot of money in order to have that impact, right? Yep. And that's a big driver for me. It's it's not just the money. It's like, how can yeah. I actually do good with this, you know? Yeah. And also, like, I think it's important for people to let themselves dream into, like, what that bigger vision could actually be. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to get yourself excited. Or, you know, a lot of times for women that are listening into this that are maybe, like, working a full-time corporate job and they're also building a business. And as you're adding things on, sometimes the last thing that's added is the first thing that goes. Or when you're building a business, nobody is going to fire you if you don't show up for your business. But if you don't show up to work and you're working a corporate job, like you're definitely going to get your ass fired if you don't show up for a few days. So it's like, what can we do to raise the necessity to want to show up for the things that we care about that we're building? And like, I mean, what have you noticed with women that you've worked with, like in your community that's like helped them show up for the dreams and the goals that they have that they feel like they're really far away from? Like what makes people show up? You know? Oh, accountability is like the yeah. number one p- thing, you know, yeah. especially when I work with clients and our mastermind that we host, you know, one of the biggest things that I always ask them is like, what's the long-term vision? Because surprisingly enough in an industry that we're in, a lot of people are focused on the short term. We're focused on yes. the short term wins, the short term money, which is great, you know, for that dopamine hit, but it's not going to last long because you and I both know that building a business is not just on motivation. It takes discipline. It's, it's the day in and day out repetitive you know, consistency yes. that Unsexy compounds stuff. over time. <laughs> oh, yes. And, you know, at least for me, like once I get a grasp of, you know, when I hear their stories of like, this is what I want to do. And for some people, it is building that billion dollar company. I asked this in our mastermind last week where I said, what is that big audacious goal that you have? And a few people said, I want to have a hundred million dollar exit. And for other people, it's, I want to spend time with my kids and I want a completely passive business model, you know? So everyone's goal is going to be very different, but if you don't actually declare it and declare it openly to other people, you're not going to have any accountability on that perspective there. So I think that's the biggest one is the accountability, the belief, Um, and just again, like the network, I mean, you and I have texted each other so many times, you know, of like, what's going on with you? Like, what are you working on? Just like the check in, you know, with each other, I think is so powerful because a lot of times we get in this tunnel vision that we think that no one else is going through the things that we're going through, Mm. but you and I both know we're both going through similar things in different ways. So trust in the community that you've been building too. And well, and it's funny too, because even when we ask people like what their big vision is, it's like the tactical side of our brain or like the logical Mm -hmm. side or the quote unquote realistic side kicks in and lets us like say it at half mass almost. You know what I mean? Like we're, it's so interesting Mm -hmm. because I do think it's really powerful. Like I've said on this podcast before that I'm like, if Oprah came to you and she said, I'll give you all of the money and resources and connections and I'll personally help you make that big vision happen. What would your big vision be? You've got 45 seconds. And like when I say something like that, where people are like, oh wait, okay. So I have all the money that I need. I have the resources that I need. I have Oprah helping me? Like, okay, could I, what would that thing be? Often people can actually come up with something. And I feel like even if you don't know crystal clear what that vision looks like, it can give you that direction to go knowing Mm -hmm. that like along the way, there's going to be so many roadblocks that you're going to run into, but those are going to teach you the things that you can't possibly learn if it's rainbows, butterflies, and happy unicorns just like sail into your dream. And also, Mm -hmm. Hannah, let's be real about this. How many women do you know that want to write a book in your community. Like a lot of women in my community want to write a book. And I'm like, let me just tell you, girl, if your 
like path toward getting where you want to go is rainbows, butterflies, and happy little unicorns and no road bumps. I am not buying your book because your book is going to be so damn boring. Like I'm not buying your book because you have to have those moments where you're ugly crying on your bathroom floor and your snot mascara is getting together in your mouth and you're choking on your spit and you want to give up and you want to move to a deserted island and sell coconuts on a like tiki beach because you just don't think that you're capable. If you aren't doing that, you're not dreaming big enough. Like that's it. I agree. I agree so much with you on that perspective too, because again, it's it's the blinders that we put on ourselves. And I think that's another one where you were talking, I was thinking about like the words that were coming to my mind were owning your accomplishments. And I think especially Mm -hmm. for women, and I know at least I struggle with this. I'm curious if, if listeners have as well, but I used to struggle with really owning my accomplishments. I would downplay them so much because I didn't want to you know, impact the way someone felt or made them feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. And when in fact, like I, I came to the realization that if I actually don't share these things, right, I'm not showing another person what is actually possible. I'll give an example of this when I, when we bought the farm, right? Like yeah. we bought this 160 acre farm. My husband and I are not farmers. You know, it was a probably the, I mean, it probably, it is the biggest real estate acquisition that we have done. You know, we've been, you know, flipping our personal primary residence for like the last six, seven years at this point. And, you know, for a lot of people, this is a big milestone. I remember I would downplay things. I downplay Necker Island. I downplay our business Mm -hmm. just because I didn't want to make people feel bad. And I think it's one of those things that like, if you're listening to this right now and, and you're in that season, just know that you by, by you openly talking about that and sharing the wins, but also sharing the struggles, yep. you're showing people what is possible for themselves too. Because yeah. you don't know the silent lurkers that are in your community who are looking yep. up to you, who are not even communicating to you. I have so many of those that come into my mastermind. I haven't, I haven't communicated to them once in the last yep. four years, you know? Yeah. And at so, any any season or any area of your life, you can be aspirational. Like, because a lot of times mm-hmm. we talk about inspiration, but I think that aspirational of like inspiration is like you're inspiring me, right? But aspirational is I want to be and embody some of the things that you're embodying, and that is so needed too. And you know, Hannah, obviously we're talking about this in business and with like money mindset, but also this is huge for those of you listening in in relationships. Like, if you if you are like super happy in your marriage and you're figuring out what's working for you, or health wise or with your female friendships, like be unapologetic about sharing that with the world. Mm-hmm. Because again, we need to see living, breathing proof of what's possible for us too. And yeah. that is so freaking important, like holistically mm-hmm. celebrating to give yourself the dopamine hits to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. To like stay on the path, but then also to understand that like you showing up for your dreams, like somebody's looking at you and maybe they don't want to do what you want to do. Maybe someone listening to this is like, you know, Hannah Cash, I don't have a hundred million dollar exit plan. Okay, great. That's totally fine. But do you, if this, if yeah. our dreams could be that, and that's not what our dreams are, but just saying, right. If that was our goal, it's like, we'll take that and put yourself into that story. If they can dream that big, then what's your version in whatever area of your life matters to you? What's your version of that elevated dream that makes you feel like you're stretching to a whole new level that you're really uncomfortable. You might like puke or poop your pants or something. Cause you're just like, <laughs> ah, how am I going to get there? But like, we have to have women especially women. And you know, this is, I mean, this is so real mm-hmm. in the real estate space too, tech space for sure. That like, there are men that will unapologetically share what they're working on and what their ROI is and what their projected like income is for insert whatever project. But women, like we have to have women that are showing up talking about this for real. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I, I feel like that could be a whole podcast episode on its <laughs> own, which I'd love to talk about real estate too. But you yeah. know, at least for me, I remember I was talking to my CMO yesterday and we were talking about, you know, different just types of like masterminds and communities and networks out there, uh, especially for at that like eight and nine figure level, you know, founder. Yeah. And what's so interesting is, you know, most of the networks that are out there are all male dominated. They're all, you know, ran by men or all the advisors are men, which is totally fine. And we can learn from every single person out there. Yep. But really when it comes to women, there's there's definitely a lack, you know, yep. when it comes to these types of communities out there. So I definitely agree with you on just like being unapologetic, you know, with what your goals are and what your visions are. And I, I'm curious for you how this is like played into real estate because mm-hmm. real estate's like a whole different ball game. I actually started my career in commercial real estate. So uh, it was like the Wolf of Wall Street, if anyone can imagine. <laughs> that was like the, the vibe. And it was all ran by men. And I yep. remember I was the youngest uh, on the you know the sales floor. This was you know eight years ago at this point. I'm losing track of time. Um, but real estate is near and dear to my heart. So I'm just curious yep. for you guys, you know, what did that look like as you guys were starting that process too? Because you guys have acquired a lot in such a short amount of time. Yeah. So one of the things that I was thinking about, which will probably resonate with a lot of entrepreneurs listening into this is like, and you touched on this too, Hannah, of the short-term mindset, which is like, how much is this launch going to be? Or how much can I get my monthly income to in the next two months, three months? But like, what's the bigger picture with this? And I remember there was a point in time where I was doing, so everything that I have done in my business outside of real estate Mm -hmm. um, required me to be physically on to do it, right? So I was running programs that I had to host Zoom calls for. I was doing masterminds, retreats, big in-person events, podcasting, keynote speaking, like all of these things that made up my business all required me to be on in order to make money to do that, which is totally fine because I love doing what I'm doing. But Mm -hmm. I was drifting off, like it was about two years ago. I started like thinking, what am I going to do? Because I'm not building this particular business with the Empower Her brand. I'm not building this to exit. Um, I'm building this and I'm not building this to take me out of it, which I think those are two great options for founders. But I was building this more as active income and I needed to think about what could this active income be put into that could be more passive, that didn't require my voice, my physical body, right? Or like me, (laughs) my face. And so we started thinking about real estate and we bought our first property February 18th of 2022, which was a long-term rental. But long-term rentals didn't get me jazzed because essentially, I mean, we were making like $200 a month on the long-term rental and this is not going to change our life, but it got us in the game, right? It was like a base hit that got us in the game. And then we started drifting off into like, how could we take this female community that I have and like, what what market like gaps do we see? And for us living in Denver, we saw that there was a big gap in the market of there was no bachelorette party houses. And I had mm. gone to, I've been in wedding, I've been in 16 weddings as a bridesmaid or a maid of honor. Yeah. Right. Ooh. And so I was like, I've been to so many freaking bachelorette parties. So I understand the vision with the vibe. And I had also thought about wanting to host my own retreats. It's like, wouldn't that be cool if we could create a space like that here in Denver Nobody has bachelorette party themed houses. So we bought an Airbnb, designed it for bachelorettes, saw straight out the gates like, whoa, 90% of our bookings are bachelorette parties, girls trips, Ooh. or retreats. It like it absolutely hit. So we're like, okay, we have proof of concept here. We waited like six months, did it again. Um, we also bought a small, like um, we bought a quadplex that has midterm rentals in it. So more than 30 days stays here in Denver as well as we mm-hmm. were going because we learned about creative financing strategies, which is something that you hear men talking about, but you don't hear women talking about. So even mm-hmm. when I would go to real estate events, I was like, I was one of like few women that would be there. And now there's like some sub communities here in Denver that 
I'm a part of, but I'm like the investing and the money mindset and like the, the, like even just thinking about how can you take active income and create more passive opportunities to give you optionality later, like that wasn't a conversation. So in about 18 months, we bought $5 million worth of real estate. And I talk about that and I say that number because I think it's really important for people to hear. And, you know, it wasn't from us putting 20% down on every single property. We didn't have like tons and tons of cash that came into it. We just got creative like you guys did. And now it's like, it's funny because we actually even held off on buying a house for ourselves and we rented an apartment while we were doing that because we didn't want to give up the cash that we did have that we could put mm-hmm. down as like down payments. We needed to figure out like a strategy to kind of roll this all in. And now we're sitting here thinking, you know, my husband and I full transparency, we're even thinking right now about how could we start a fund together or who could we partner Ooh. with to start raising money to like be able to give people. And I haven't even talked about that at all on the podcast, but I just think like now our mind is drifting off into like, how can we help other people do this? Because a lot of times people maybe aren't interested in going full bore in real estate, but they're interested in like having diversified income or that conversation around taking active income and making it more passive. So there's a lot of ideas coming, but I mean, I'm excited. (laughs) There's so much in real estate too. And I really just want to reflect back that you can have so many different types of ways to get in the game. Like you went into the game of keeping a rental and then investing in these other vehicles. My husband and I went in with our primary residence as being the thing that we started with. So we, I mean, we also didn't have kids at the time, but every year and a half, two years, we were moving because we started mm-hmm. with a 500 square foot condo, profited off of that, invested in a loft, which then we, you know, and uh, yeah. renovated from there. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So every asset started to grow and grow and grow, so, you know, and it, we would essentially like double the, the amount in terms of the value of the asset every time we were doing that until we got to the point where we had the farm. And now I will also preface like buying a farm is by no means passive at all. There is so much that goes into managing a farm. But the really cool thing is that, you know, we bought a pro- um, you know a property that was undervalued, which now is valued over $3 million, you know, yeah, and this is something amazing. that we similar to you too. You know, when we started the journey, like we didn't put 20% down on any of the assets that we were buying at the time, but we strategically picked the right ones as we were growing too. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I look at it as this beautiful thing of you know, with the work that we're doing here, like we're able to get back to the community. We're able to get back to our family too and our kids. And I think about that, especially when it, you know, relates to real estate, which is so powerful. And I think goes back to our whole conversation with how is, how has our mindset shifted, especially going into motherhood, you know? Mm -hmm. So true. You think about lineage and you think about like Mm -hmm. where your time can be spent and just like time is the most valuable currency. So it's like, how can you make yeah. your money work for you. And, you know, I just really appreciate this conversation in general too, Hannah, of like all the things that we just touched on because it's like like real conversations about motherhood and how things change. And also obviously real estate and money mindset and like blocks that we've had, but also even both of us, like just being really open and honest about the things that we're working on too. Because again, like, mm-hmm. I just think that this is the conversation that needs to happen. And that's like what I even want for my podcast is just to get way more unapologetic in general. And when I have guests on the show, just be like way more open and honest about like, what is it that you're excited Mm -hmm. about? What are even like the numbers about it? Or like, what are the real blocks? What are the, what does the relationship look like behind closed doors and like everything? Because I just think if we hear other people's stories for people that are listening into this, doing their workout or in the shower or driving to Mm -hmm. work or bopping around their house, it's like, if 
we can figure this out, then you can too. And whatever your version of your dreams are, they're possible for you. Otherwise, you would have never been gifted the vision that you're gifted. Just like you and I would have never been gifted the vision to create these businesses and impact and do real estate and also be moms and like prioritize our marriage. And like, we're figuring it out and nobody knows what the hell we're doing. But when we're more open and honest about the struggles and also the wins, it just creates this really cool like effect and ripple and honestly, tidal wave Mm -hmm. in the world. So- I love you. And I just Ooh, so appreciate this conversation so much. I could talk to you for like $800 million. But for people listening in that don't know where to find you, how can they connect with you? Tell them about your podcast, what's going on. Give them the juice. Yeah. So I'm over on Instagram, Hannah M. Nieves, our podcast, HN House Podcast. And we talk a lot about business, a lot about life, yeah. but also similar to you too, a lot of these you know, unapologetic conversations. I actually did one, uh, a podcast episode on you know, navigating marriage as a breadwinner, you know, and being a, uh, an entrepreneur as well. So if you want the spicy chats, I will definitely deliver on that end, <laughs> but I just appreciate you so much for just like opening up the conversation. And I feel like there's so much we can talk about even in a part two on this, but I just appreciate yeah. you so much. I love you, Hannah. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening in and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.